no one cares if you're broaded, broadened. No, if you're abroad, people care, but no one <laughs> cares if you're broadened. All right. Trying to start over on that one? Like when you forget the name of the show? No, no. We're doing a question where I'm going to rant probably about some stuff. We're going to talk about the SoftBank uh, March 31st, 2020 earnings result presentation. Of SoftBank. Yeah, SoftBank. And then we're going to, we'll talk about the Joe Rogan Spotify deal. And you're going to do a nice breakdown of pricing things in that area. Yeah, to piggyback on some of our pricing conversation. I thought that was a good exercise. Yeah, for sure. So did you know that men can get yeast infections? Uh, I didn't think about it before, but sure. I don't really, not really knowing what a yeast infection is, I, I would also guess men could get them. I went to a Christian school. They didn't really teach us uh, anything about how the body works yeah. other than God. Yeah. As my organs fail one by one is how I learn about what's happening inside my body. Oh, Jesus Christ. Actually, uh, I don't want to go into that too much, but I did want to talk about your uh, organ failure at some point. <laughs> Gallbladder. It's not a big organ. On the list of organs to lose. It's a minor one. Yeah. Yeah. So my buddy who had previously, he actually listened to the podcast and he was like, you refer to me as a delinquent? <laughs> and he, he, was all, he was like, he's like, I, I turned my life around. All right. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And then, of course, the next week he's telling me how he, he once, you know, a few years ago got a yeast infection. I was like, OK, it really turned your, yeast, your, your life around. <laughs> I, it was so good because apparently like he was, you know, having is like really uncomfortable down there. And he was like, you know, having symptoms goes to the doctor finds out he has a yeast infection and he does the ethical thing to do, which he goes to his girlfriend, his steady girlfriend at the time. Okay. And he's like, Hey, uh, I got tested. I tested positive for a yeast infection. So you might want to get checked out. And she got like irate and was like, you're cheating on me. I don't have a yeast infection. And like, I mean, again, this is just pure ignorance on, on my thing, but like, Yeast is like a foreign thing that goes in there and causes the infection, or uh, yeast is a type of fungus, actually. Okay, so it is kind of like a okay. It's it sounds like an STD, kind of. Yeah, I don't think it has to be. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I was thinking that he got it from her. Yeah, he did. Oh, okay. I think she was asymptomatic. Okay, so it really to continue on the my ignorance of, of how the body works, but. Is this just like random? Oh, wait. No, maybe I'm way off. It says yeast infections aren't an STD. They aren't contagious and can't spread to another person during sex. But sexual contact sometimes leads to yeast infections. First of all, I don't actually believe that. That's from Planned Parenthood. But that can't be true because like fungus is just a microbe that can like you touch someone and then now you have like fungus on your hand. Of course it can be like... I see. I think what they mean is that it's not commonly a common STD. I'm sure it's possible because it probably, I think it's difficult for the fungus to grow. Well, like, is it, is it like the yeast that's just like flying around in the air? Is that how you, is that where the yeast comes from? It says your body chemistry can have a bad reaction to another person's natural genital yeast and bacteria, which causes yeast to grow. I don't believe that 
I, that doesn't make any sense that it can't be an STD. I think Planned Parenthood is wrong because when you have contact, like any kind of physical contact with people, microbes can transfer. And so like if you have different genital yeast, there's no reason why the yeast can't like swap. Wow. So our podcast is now about genital yeast. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't see this on the outline. for tonight. Also, well, actually, that's interesting because we we've worked with a company that was doing microbe testing for vagina <laughs> and okay because there's some like microbe just like your gut microbiome is you know related to your general health your not you personally the vaginal microbiome is related to your ability oh not your the ability to get pregnant for example they're finding a connection between that yeah that all makes sense yeah so anyway, interesting stuff. My sister sent me a, a, a podcast to listen to, and I'm pretty sure it was like, it's called The V-Hive. Sounds right up your alley. I think they, I think it's about that kind of stuff. It's like, it's all, I don't know, she's into holistic medicine right now, but it's a whole thing of like your, your biomes being balanced and all this. But I think they go into, I think the V goes into that as well. Yeah, I mean, there there is something to that, but it's... I'd just like to, you know, say that those are all areas that are not just not very well understood. So, yeah, is it is it a good idea? Like, just like your gut, like you don't want to be taking too much antibiotics all the time and like wiping out your gut and like you don't want to be causing dysbiosis in any of your the regions that have some kind of microbiome for sure. But like, do we understand how to control the, all of those things well? Or what are the effects of the different categories of di- like, weird populations? No, we don't. You just really want that Tango sponsorship. I, I can see. Just always, <laughs> everything's going back to that, like, some weird way. I just look at my phone sometimes. And I'm just like, why haven't they called me? <laughs> yeah. But speaking of yeast, uh, this is another just random anecdote. I was talking to a buddy of mine in Tokyo. And he was talking about how his brother is like drinking a lot nowadays and how I was like, oh, yeah, it wasn't. I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds like that doesn't sound good. And he's like, yeah, I was like, wasn't that the same guy who's like uh, making beer like, you know, home brew now? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, you know, what is it with people having to find hobbies to justify their alcoholism, you know? If you're going to be, if you want a, an alcohol hobby, man, distilling. If you, if you have someone like distilling in there, that's a kind of an alcoholic thing. Craft beer, man. It, yeah, I mean, it's a super trendy thing, but it's just so cheap to do yourself. Yeah, well, okay. So there's the craft beer thing, but I feel like let's expand it a little larger. All my friends in the Bay Area they justify having like they're like oh i'm like what are you doing and they're like oh i'm just uh i'm just having a glass of wine you know at the end of my day and 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 doing a little bit of work i'm like you're having half a bottle of wine at least <laughs> oh yeah you know what i mean and like you're justifying you you being your alcoholism by it being expensive you know even you know like you you you're you're paying twice as much as the homeless person down the street for their bottle of wine and that's why it's like normal and I feel like we get like about that with whiskey sometimes. And then also craft beer. It's like, I don't need to hear all the fucking reasons why you need to try seven different beers today. Like you're just an alcoholic. Uh, yeah. I, I, having never personally experienced any of these problems that can go along with alcoholism, I don't, I don't really see the problem. 
I know a lot of alcoholics. It's fine. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's fine because because you you keep your friends at a distance, and so their alcoholism doesn't actually affect you. Yeah, in this quarantine, like I haven't drank as less as ever as I have during this quarantine, just because I don't see them. Yeah, and well, here's why it's affecting me because then it turns into a thing like I have to hear about how this craft beer is so good because you're an alcoholic. I'm like, dude, just... Well, that, that's always annoying, yeah. And then it's like everyone from California is into... Like, the only... Re- like, all the craft beers, basically, for the most part, are IPAs. And I am i don't like IPAs. And I'm just like, aren't IPAs just, like, downgraded normal beers? Because... <laughs> no, 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 IPAs is Indian Pale Ale. And they added more hops to, like, normal beer just so they could be stored f- for a longer period of time. Yeah. Like no one no one liked that flavor. No, no, no. Okay. So there's there's a whole history of, of why of how this is, but like the reason IPAs in the US if you really want to go into this, the reason IPAs in the US are are so popular among like the homebrew or craft brew scene was because hops is one of the crops that the US is actually really fit to make. And so if you it, it was the first beer that you could make from America using what America is good at growing to make a beer. Everything else was like, if you do German style, then you're just copying German style. It's the first style that like you could use a, 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 a well-fitting crop to show off a beer with. That's why it got so popular. Well, okay. So it still doesn't mean it's good. That's what I'm saying. You know, like, yeah, so is high fructose corn syrup. That's a great American product made because we have lots of corn in the U.S., like you're not put. You shouldn't. You have a good idea for a new craft beer, I guess. You shouldn't put that in your body every day. Well, no, the like cops was already so. So they went back. If you read the history of it, it's actually kind of interesting of how how it all happened. But like it, it was because of that kind of thing. Like the, if you wanted to do like a craft beer using ingredients, I mean, hops are already used in beer, right? And they found out that you know there was a style called an IPA where they used a lot of hops. So that was like the chance to like use a crop that you can grow well in the U.S. Take a beer style that's not as popular that used a lot of hops, and if you did that really well, you could really show off uh, like that kind of beer style as an like American style. And that's why it's only really popular in America uh, because of that. Yeah, it, because it's not good. No, it wasn't a style like that was common anywhere else. I mean, go it's to not a good style. Okay, you want overrated beer? Go to like fucking Germany, man. If you want overrated beer, like most of it's like really bland, mm. like a like Dunkel. I don't know how you can. I'm not, uh, I don't really get it. But like the, all those like traditional German styles are not that good. They're, it's like way over exaggerated. Plus, I think the IPAs that the U.S. is making are definitely not like the IPA back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, sure. But they still suck. But it's like I don't I, I don't really I mean, I'll try your IPA first. Like if I go to a craft beer place, because that tells me a lot, because that's usually the one people put the most effort in. And so if you can't make a good IPA, I probably don't trust you to make much else of anything good. Yeah. But a good IPA is a good IPA, man. I don't know. I want to, whenever someone has an IPA and tells me how good it is, I just want to take hops and just shove it in their throat. So what's your, what's your beer style of choice then? I'll just have like a normal Pilsner, man. Just give me a fucking, like, give me a Pilsner, uh, or your buddies, your buddies beers that were, um, what were those style? Like, I also like a stout, like a good stout. Yeah, so it's very hard to find a good stout. People seem to like uh, screw that one up. 
And like it's okay to screw up a stout. It feels like I don't know. Like the have it be a way too overpowered, way too bad aftertaste. I don't know. It's I, I haven't had that many good craft beer stouts. IPAs always just talk. Uh, not they don't talk to me. They taste like hops, and I'm just like, what? Pills is fine, but like, what's your pills? Uh, like, do you care what you're getting it from? Do you want Asahi? What? What's your? Um, I do like Asahi. Cause like I have friends that it's like, and they, this is a sign of alcoholism. It was like, I don't care what kind of beer. Oh, I like the Okinawa. Uh, Orion. Yeah. And then they have some like special versions of it that are also good. Where are you on the Belgium thing? You, you like Belgian beers? Uh, when I want to get wasted. Yeah. Well, because they're okay. But, but I mean, they're really sweet all across the board. Yeah. I, I could like, I think the Belgian beers are. I, I like that. Like, I'm not going to drink that every day for my alcoholism, but I will partake like on a, on a occasion, you know, like, I, and I, and I'll enjoy it. It's just not like it. I couldn't drink that every day. Well, when you put craft beer on the, on the list here, I, I, after your yeast question, I thought you were going to go into that. Like, you know, the stories about that, right? Where the Sam Adams guy like made a beer where he just like didn't shower for a week. And like collected all the natural yeast floating around in the air in his body and then jumped in naked into the like pool to like get all the yeast off of his body. And then that's the yeast they used to brew the beer. I did not know that. Dude, the Sam Adams guy is hilarious. You should, if you want a, like a beer personality to follow. Actually, he was one of the original like beer guys in the US, like number five or something uh, for like the craft beer, I think. But um, yeah, he's a crazy guy. And that's what he did. And then there's another beer where that they famously took the yeast that was accumulating and the guy had like one of those huge beards and they took the yeast out of his beard and made a uh, beer with the yeast in his beard. He was a famous brewer. I can't remember which one it is. I, I want to say it was a stone, but that might not be true. That's what I thought the yeast connection was. I think, you know, we're, we're one step away from just having genital yeast uh, beers. I mean, you could. You could uh, definitely... Uh, do that if you want a unique homebrew to give your friends. Yeah. Be like, I just dipped my genitalia in this. This is what I brewed. Shao Cal Brew. The logo almost makes itself. Yeah. Huge in China. <laughs> Enough for genitalia yeast. Um, okay. So the SoftBank, yeah, SoftBank earnings results was released on May 18th for the fiscal year ending in March 31st of 2020. Yeah. So let's go into it a little bit actually before like going over any of the finances i just want to like whenever when i've looked at the softbank decks before i'm always just shocked at how bad they look for a billion multi-billion dollar company they're put together so haphazardly and like just i I just find basic design issues with them i'm just it's just like who who did this like if if I was son, I, son did it himself. You think? Obviously, no, he <laughs> yeah, he did. You think? I, you don't. I can totally picture him do, taking, looking for clip art of unicorns to make this little. Yeah, I. Jeez, I'm like, if I was the CEO of SoftBank, and you know, my underlings gave me a draft of this, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? I've seen the style before, where the higher up people in the company have shittier presentations. Yeah. Like, oh, it's almost on purpose, I think. Yeah, or like I've seen stuff, uh, I don't want to, like where an investor might have taken our information 
and like summarized it in a more complicated way, like to make it look more Japanese, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. And again, it's like the like putting arrows in weird directions and like just putting like more information than should be put on one one slide. I would say in Japan, man, I, most presentations I have seen from, especially the higher up people, they tend it tends to be way more eccentric and all over the place, and they're drawing, putting smiley faces on laser beams. Yeah, totally. Uh, they're making it themselves, man. They're not getting their underlings. The underlings, are you kidding me? Like if you're if you're some lowly guy, you're gonna take a risk of putting a smiley face on a laser beam. Yeah. For for your CEO. Yeah. No, the CEO is adding the smiley faces himself. It's fucking so bizarre. All right, let's go into it. So the first thing I noticed was slide eight and nine. So slide eight, again, here's the thing that pisses me off. One is you have an arrow. Like I see the, the bars minus and like, okay, the red bars are shorter than the gray bars. I don't need the fucking arrow pointing to me and then also says minus 48%. Just get rid of the fucking arrow. It just pisses me off. And then there's a weird thing where, (laughs) well, okay, just to be very nitpicky, on slide eight, they show a significant reduction. But on slide nine, they actually put a number to the decrease. So there's no symmetry between those two slides. It just says significant reduction on the right in slide eight. And then in slide nine, in the same place, it says sales decreased 80%. Well, if you're going to use numbers, use numbers. If not, don't. That critique I like better than the first one. If you're going to always put arrows and percents, that's fine. But yeah, it's a simple like uh, viewer thing to not then change up on your next slide how you're presenting your data. That's like simple presentation stuff. Yeah. Okay, so for the arrow thing, then they don't use the arrow on slide nine. That's what I mean. It's like, I, I don't care. Just be consistent. And then the other difference between slide eight and nine that annoyed me was so in slide eight you have china us europe but as three areas but then in slide nine it's only the us and then it doesn't put the us label on the bottom of the graph it just puts an american flag in the upper right okay all these critiques are much better i think than the arrow one like the other thing that drives me crazy is you have absolute numbers for the market sizes on the first one and on the second slide he uses a hundred as like being a hundred percent, but he doesn't even put the percent on there. It's just like assuming twenty nineteen is a hundred, then this year is twenty too. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so you mean it's down by seventy eight? Yeah. The other weird thing is that it's down by seventy eight, but it says sales decreased eighty percent. That's not a rounding. Like what? You're gonna round by that position or something? Is that what you're doing? It's just confusing. Just say sales decreased seventy eight percent. And then it makes sense with the graph. Yeah, I know. It's very, th- that that drives me more crazy is when, like, I don't care, like, in a lot of ways, I don't care. I'll go along with your story. Just, like, keep the way you're showing things consistent so I can compare them. Yeah, he might be, he might be doing it on purpose, man. He might be such a genius. He just tries to keep you confused. I've seen, I've seen, like, presentations so bad before that you would assume that they have to be so smart that they're, they're just trying to, like, Spin a, a web of uh, like make your make a really cloudy point, and then so you can't follow along and make consistent comparisons. Yeah, yeah, I've I've seen that too. Yeah. Okay, so did you understand slide thirteen very well? Again, I think they're, <laughs> I think they're trying to like make these. No, I not really. Okay, it, it, you can't look at it and just like immediately be like, bam! I, I get what you're trying to show me. Okay, yeah. So a couple things I want to say say on slide 13. 
One is it says USD BN billions in the upper left in really small font. And I'm just like, well, just put that somewhere else larger, like a real like legend of some sort. So I can understand the units of the fucking graph. And then you have equity holdings, equity value of holdings. I assume, I mean, obviously that's, that's the equity value of holdings by the SoftBank holding group, right? And those are, those are the valuations of each of those companies. Yeah. And then they're, they're taking the net. Okay, I guess I kind of get it. And then they're taking the net debt that all those companies have and then saying the difference of that is the value that shareholders have. So I'm still a little confused. So I thought the net debt was like the debt that SoftBank took on to acquire those holdings. It, it might, yeah, it might be. It's either, it, it might be. I don't know, did they explain any of this? Exactly. Okay, so that's what, exactly why it's confusing is because they don't say whose debt it is, whose shareholder value it is. And it's just, it's fucking confusing. Okay, so let's go down to uh, slide 46, which I, I really like this area. So it, has, it starts off on slide 46. Challenges for unicorns. Coronavirus crisis in parentheses. Well, is like, is it, are you going to go through all the challenges or is it just challenge plural or is it the coronavirus challenge? Like, fucking work on your fucking copy pieces. You fucking. <laughs> you know, it's good coronavirus happened because you can just hide everything now in, in coronavirus. Yeah, it's all, all these businesses would have been successful if not for the coronavirus. And then it has just two red circles. I don't know why we have red circles for rapid decline in demand. Red is scary and and negative. What is negative F- FCF? I don't know, but it must be something cash flow. FCF is uh, free cash flow. So it basically uh, we're not going to have cash. <laughs> so then the next slide you have horses. Like so again, the fir- forty six was talking about unicorns, but then in slide forty seven he has clip art of horses running towards a cliff yeah he, he fucked up a lot of things i mean it <laughs> this is pretty bad too. yeah so let me let me get to it. so then you have horses running towards a cliff and they end up in the valley of coronavirus on slide 51 but some of them might make it out and turn into a pegasus unicorn hybrid of some sort i just don't know like i don't know how you can make these kinds of mistakes like i don't know is it just me or is, is this like unreasonable yeah I, I i guess in some ways it's good maybe he didn't spend so much time on this i it's part of this i swear is to like make this uh like meme memeable right do you know how many people were tweeting this like the unicorns falling in the valley yeah uh yeah he wasn't he wasn't really paying that much attention uh, but obviously when he searched unicorn he took like the two clip arts one which wasn't even a unicorn and then the other one, which is like a unicorn with wings, which I guess some unicorns have. But like, obviously, he should have drawn not a cliff, right? Yeah. Like you should draw like a, a like the, a valley. Yeah. <laughs> that they don't see, and then have them fall into the valley they don't see. I just don't understand like how you can make these kinds of materials and compare yourself to Jesus. Like how. Fucking Jesus would have done a much better job. I agree. How fucking senile are you? If, the, if you can't say anything else than Jesus, his PowerPoints were on point. <laughs> I just, I can't understand. Like no one, and then no one else in the office is like, yeah, that's, that's not a, that's not a unicorn. You know, like, 
Well, he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to be like, hey, 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 Jim, what do you think of this presentation? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he just like, all right, I got my, you know, he, he did this at home or on the way there in his self-driving car. But aren't some of his limited partners uh, Saudis or something, right? Definitely, yeah. And like, so also this, like none of, this is always the thing is like, is it because you have so much free flowing money in the Middle East, are they also just not very sophisticated about, um, like when you have just like, you know, piles of cash in your, in your closet and your, in your bedroom, do you just never, you never learn how to like make financial materials yourself and like review a deck? You know what I mean? Again, I don't think he's like sending it to them to be like, hey, what are your thoughts, Ahmad? Yeah. Do you think I should go with? No, he's just doing this kind of stuff. If anything, this is kind of for them. This isn't his first one. He's kind of famous for making these crazy presentations. And like people look forward to them. They look forward to what crazy thing is, is Sony going to put in his in his thing. I mean, do, what other uh, quarterly or yearly reports do you read of other companies? SoftBank is kind of like the best one to read, right? <laughs> yeah. We should review some others. That would be, I, I would like to do that compare and contrast. But like I read my company's one before and there were definitely like, I guarantee you our CEO wasn't doing unicorn clip art. <laughs> like, yeah, it's so fucking boring. Like I, they take the other strategy, like make a really boring, long report with l- no graphics and lots of text. Actually, maybe not. That might not be true now. They might actually put a lot of effort into the design now. But back in the day, it was just text. I've seen just, I think I've seen the PDF reports that are like just numbers basically in text, like not even a deck. Exactly. I've read a 60 page printout of that PDF that they gave out to people. But I think now actually they're jumping, they're modernizing a lot now. I think they actually do have like a a design, like a a PowerPoint design team. Yeah. Or like a a chief marketing manager guy who who does this. So I think they probably have lots of laser beams and stuff in there now. Yeah, that, that might be interesting. I, having the only ones I've ever looked at are all the ones in my in my last industry and semiconductor stuff. But uh, the, they're not as entertaining as Suns, I'll tell you that much. But my, the kind of takeaway I took in there is, man, you know, one SoftBank still makes a shit ton of money, like in their core business, right? Yeah. So they're still generating a lot and growing. So yeah, they're just using this to fund a lot of this other stuff. I think with the, you know, I was trying to explain this to some... What do you mean using this? Using their... I mean, they're using a lot of their profits, right? From all their core business to try other stuff, right? And they're not very, maybe good at picking stuff, but their core business is still really solid, right? And they're still generating a lot to keep doing this kind of investment, but... Besides the startup investments, the probably their larger company share acquisitions or share buys are better, like Sprint, T-Mobile, The Arm... I mean, Alibaba is really good, right? Well, okay, that was the one startup that seemed to do well. The ARM thing looks promising. Definitely. I didn't know that they were involved with ARM, to be honest. That, that's a really uh, good one, I think. Yeah. So maybe their later stage move, their moves on later stage companies or like extremely mature companies, I should say, tend to be better. Yeah, I think they, they might have got sucked in on a lot of like the, you know, these, these newer Valley companies. And you can see the trend was looking like crazy things like WeWork, I guess, could be. Even though I don't know, it always sounded s- silly. But I don't know. I can see how you could get into a lot of those silly ideas turn out to be, like, really good. Maybe that's another one, and then they have a lot of money. and uh, they, But they do have their, they do have money and good stuff also in their portfolio, more, more than I would have expected based on, like, the pizza uh, investments and, uh, and the WeWork. Well, let's end that 
part with the last slide um, that he has in his presentation. Information revolution. Happiness for everyone. So we were going to talk about, in other news, the Rogan Spotify deal. We were talking about pricing in some of our previous episodes, and I was, I was riding my bike around thinking about some and had, had some other points on that. And I was trying to think, like, based on this deal, how would have I priced it or what, are other way, what is a way to look at it to see if it was a good deal or who it was good for? So I guess first off, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, which according to Apple Podcasts was the number one downloaded podcast for the last couple of years, I think. Licensing their whole catalog and going exclusive to Spotify September 1st. And then the number that you see floating around, $100 million a year deal to license this. So a little bit different than Spotify's other things where they're straight up buying podcasts. But $100 million a year for Rogan. Wait, so that, but that's not verified, right? Nothing, I mean, we'll go into this, nothing is really verified. It's like everything is someone close to the deal or an insider, industry insider. So is it true? Maybe not. Maybe it's a lot better, but we'll go on that assuming $100 million a year is what he's getting licensing. They also didn't say for how long uh, the licensing is or any other term. So is $100 million stock, cash, uh, what does it depend on? Nobody knows. So it's all complete speculation. But going on $100 million as being uh, where we're going to evaluate the deal. Uh, I was trying to think like how I would try to back into if that's good for Rogan or if that's what really good for Spotify or if there's any clear winners. Yeah, and just right before we get in, into the more deep dive part, like why is, why is this important? Well, one is it's, it's interesting to look at the pricing um, and break it down and like see you know, how that could be estimated. Another thing is, though, is, is this may affect uh, a lot more podcasters uh, or like podcasts you listen to and what the future of podcasting looks like. You know, being someone who listened to podcasts starting the very first year they existed, it's always been like a daily thing for me, almost from the beginning. Uh, and the only thing that's really changed is how good the apps are or how many podcasts there are. But it, it's hard for me to really see this like, crazy growth in podcasts that apparently has been happening because still a lot of people I know don't listen at all to podcasts. So I don't know. It, it, so it's weird to me to see it grow. And that's just kind of an interest. And we did a past episode just talking about some of the nerdy tech and, and podcasts and how it's open and the problems with that. Uh, so it's just like an interesting thing I follow. And one difference between Spotify app uh, listening to podcasts and other ones is it definitely, definitely kills any kind of openness to podcasts. So in Spotify, you cannot arbitrarily just add an RSS feed and then listen to a podcast. The podcast creator has to go there. They have to submit it. They have to agree to all the terms of service. And Stratechery goes into uh, a lot of this in really good business analysis detail. But essentially, this is like the play, always the play of aggregators. It's like to first get people on the platform uh, everything's still free, everything's still listenable. And then once they amass all of the um, content, they are the go-to place for all of the listeners. And then they sit in the middle and then they control everything because all the listeners go to Spotify and then all of the creators have to go to Spotify. And then the, you can never break out of this. And it's, it's a very similar comparison to uh, in, like independent bloggers in the past on the internet. And then now uh, it's not really a thing anymore, right? Nobody's doing blogs with their own ads in you know in any big number everybody is essentially has to go to facebook 
or Instagram and they've aggregated all the content and then all the, the viewers. And then it's really hard to get that direct relationship with your listener and then monetize it. It's, it's basically not possible. Well, and, and avoid censorship and other hazards. So, yeah. And like, yeah, I, I would add like to your examples, Medium and YouTube, right? Which, I, okay. So I think we'll save those, like the deep dive into that stuff uh, for the next episode on 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 the on these platforms and censorship once you start getting people like rogan they get the top 10 podcasts in the world to agree to be on spotify then you you get all the listeners there and then they're discovering all the podcasts on the spotify app and then there's no guarantee that um you know if you have your app on spotify right, right now it's fine you can put your app on or your podcast on spotify and you can have an rss feed and they can be the same thing it, then it doesn't matter right as a as a podcast creator you can have all your listeners everywhere but in the future spotify could very easily just change the terms and be like no 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 you're either on spotify or you're not on spotify yeah and then you can't choose and it's like what are you going to do yeah they can obtain the exclusive rights they can basically leverage their position to do that. Exactly. I mean, YouTube right now, if you just go on YouTube and I, th I think you get, I can't remember what the, there's a threshold, but if you get over a certain amount of subscribers, you can start making money. And it's like, well, you know, what are, what are we going to do? Right. It's like either you go on the platform and you make the money or you just don't and no one ever finds you. Right. And you can kill off all these other podcast apps. Anyway, Spotify, it, it's kind of been, I don't know, in the works. And now that podcasting is becoming a, a big, uh, marketing spend for a lot of companies. It's kind of been in the works that this is going to happen. Someone's going to try to aggregate podcasts. It could be Apple very easily, but they, they're not interested. So anyway, this is the first big step where they're actually getting an exclusive only on Spotify podcast. It happens to be the biggest podcast. And so the repercussions uh, probably will just be that it ends up becoming an aggregator business like, like all the other uh, markets have. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to explain some podcast metrics. Yeah. So, you know, looking at how to, how to value it, the first one is what metrics are there? As we talked about before, there's not really much. Downloads is basically all you're really going to ever get, even as like a, a creator. You don't really know who's subscribed, where. Maybe in Apple Podcasts, you can see some of this information. But basically, just going by raw downloads is kind of what uh, the whole advertising market does, just because it's the most easily obtainable metric. And yeah, a couple questions here. So, when you're managing our podcast and you go into our account, like what do you see? So you have to host these somewhere. So if you're hosting a file, you can see how many times a file was downloaded. Right. So so you that's separate from from Apple. Like you have to check that. But Apple, what I'm saying is Apple won't tell you how many downloads they like were through Apple, right? Apple can tell you if, if someone was subscribed in their podcast app, how many times it was downloaded in their podcast app. Okay. Or how, or how many people are subscribed to your podcast feed in their podcast app. So it's like, you can't just take a number and be like, okay, Apple's podcast app market share is 40%. So if I just multiply this, if I divide by 0.4, then I'll know how many people I have, right? Yeah. It's like, you can't ever really rely on that number. So the market just looks at downloads, right? And so they look at it in a similar way to like impressions on Facebook and CPM, uh, which is cost per mile, not mile, meaning thousand, really confusing. It should just be CPT. But anyway, it's the cost per thousand impressions of something. So on Facebook, how many times did, they, did the ad actually show up? I think it actually measures 
is it in the viewport, like in the browser of the user seeing it or something, right? But in uh, YouTube, it's like when that ad starts playing, uh, even if you click skip, that's an impression. So per thousand of those, uh, what does it cost to do an advertisement? So in podcasts, just that's a download, right? That's the only metric you can really use. And it's the same like as the YouTube example, because you can't really determine even if someone downloaded your podcast, if they listen to the whole thing or how much. So it could just be like the video you're saying they skip through it or listen to one minute. You don't know. I mean, those were always low hanging fruits uh, that I thought for a podcast app, like you could give that information to the podcast creator. Yeah. But yeah, nobody knows. All you know is the download. Nobody like maybe nobody's ever even listened to Rogan's podcast. You would have no idea. Yeah. I still find that shocking. Like the, the, you, what you were just describing that those podcast apps ha- that, that hasn't been solved. And I know we talked about it in another episode. And so the reason might be, be because, well, Apple has the most market share and they just don't care about those kinds of features. So that it just doesn't get done. Well, they've never tried Apple's never tried to monetize anything with podcasts. And so, yeah, they definitely don't care. And then they've now started to do like a beta of some kind of analytics uh, for podcasts. But anyway, it's not really giving any any good information. I mean, in podcasts like Rogan's, this is the funny thing, right? I use Pocket Casts uh, app. And for each podcast feed, you can make a setting like skip the first, you know, X amount of minutes. And so for the Rogan one, I just skipped the first nine minutes because he always says the ads at the beginning, you know, just reading straight copy, very monotone. And then boom, you just start with the guest every time, you know, so that would be an interesting data point. How many people actually listen to the ads? (laughs) You know, that could be important for advertisers. But no, they, they have no idea. So in, in that kind of world, downloads is, is the only thing I think everybody is going on and just come up with a CPM number uh, and then it's just all packaged in. So whatever that number ends up being, it's taken into account how many downloads are actually real downloads and how many times it's listened to. Nobody knows, but the CPM kind of will figure out the market will figure out what is a good cost to associate with a thousand downloads. And that's kind of how things go. So the data I found, I can we can put these in the links, uh, but it seems as a like last year for a 30 second, 60 second, you're looking at 18 to $25 CPM. So like if I want to sell, let's say a Tanga ad on a broadened, the normal price, the market price might be 18 to $25 for a thousand downloads that have the ad. So say we have, uh, if we're actually having 10,000 downloads per month and uh, we go to Tanga and we're like a thousand downloads are worth 20 bucks, you know, in that inside the range you just mentioned, and then multiply that by 10, because we actually have 10,000 downloads per month. And that's how much you should pay us to read your ad Tanga. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's $250. Obviously, the more the, the bigger your number gets, obviously, advertisers are going to ask for discounts. And and the, it was kind of weird to me that they actually separated into 30 to 60 second ads, because I, I don't you know, I don't know, Rogan doesn't read it like that. They're not like straight up 30 second things. Uh, anyway, but I, but I think somewhere in that ballpark uh, is probably what people are getting. So if you, if you back those numbers out, uh, and again, all these metrics or all these numbers are like either self-reported or like an insider or somebody close to the business. So you never really get good information from the outside. But the, the people that actually have the podcast, they do know this. And this is kind of, I think, where they're basing a lot on. So I have no doubt like when Forbes uh, does a list of like how much uh, podcasts are making, they're probably getting pretty... Pretty accurate numbers, I would say. So according to Forbes, uh, the Joe Rogan podcast in 2018 made 
somewhere around $30 million in ads. And the only number that you have to go on is a number he said in a podcast that he was getting 190 million downloads per month. And I looked it up and Joe Rogan does around 18 podcasts per month. So if you if you divide that out, uh, basically, you end up with like 11, 11 million downloads per podcast per podcast. And so you can use that for your, your CPM, I guess. Or you can use that to say those are listeners or whatever. But if you go on those kind of numbers, 11 uh, million. Yeah. So you, it, when you're trying to calculate how much an ad read on the show is worth. Right. So if you did like a, if you did like 15, for example, $15, it, it might be even lower. It's hard because when you get into these like millions and of, of like downloads, there's no way advertisements are paying like a $25 thing, right? Because they're going to they're going to be doing it on for the next, they're going to sign a contract for like three months, you know, and so they're, they're not going to pay that. But but just say it's like $15 or $15. So that's like 165000 per episode is, is what he could be making. Uh, and then if he does 18 a month, he's around $3 million a month. And that puts him at, yeah, $36 million a year. So that, that's, you know, and then taking into account like the discount I was talking about with like contracts, that that's probably how they came up with something like $30 million. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense to me. And so if you go down, like, that's the only one they have the download number. Other podcast uh, people obviously don't publish anything, but they still have numbers with them. So, like, they have the number two podcast being My Favorite Murder at $15 million in revenue. Dave Ramsey, a financial guy, $10 million in revenue. Dex Shepard, uh, he has the armchair expert, kind of like comedy or, like, I don't know, they do live shows, too. They're doing $9 million a year in revenue. And then the Bill Simmons podcast, $7 million in revenue. The Bill Simmons podcast is kind of interesting. The The Ringer is, is what the podcast is. But their website um, wasn't doing very well. But apparently their their podcast did, uh, like top 25 for the past two years. There's no numbers to go with this. But you, you probably can guess the how many um, downloads he gets by his 7 million going the other way. But they he sold his podcast network to uh, Spotify for 200 million. So they, they own own it. But he got 200 million. So the interesting thing there is like if you just do the simple ratio on that, 30 divided by 7, 4.2, 4.2 times 200 million. <laughs> I mean, if they were going to buy the Rogan podcast at the same valuation that they gave Simmons, it's like 840 million. And now Rogan's only licensing his, but, you know, that's that's kind of interesting. So, yeah, those are the kind of numbers you, you can kind of get to back out on this. Uh, so, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you have any opinion if a hundred million dollars is true is that a good deal is he getting ripped off or is he making bank now he pulled the trigger at the perfect time and finally made money on something he's invested like you know 12 years of his life in Ooh, so okay well now that you broke down the the pricing or like how much he was probably making or, or how they forbes could come to those numbers like your your calculation is on the scale you know is is close to Forbes. And I, I buy that. Well, so one thing it makes me think is like, well, is that worth it? Like those. So, I mean, I guess this is kind of a tangent, but this conversation I had with a mutual friend of ours the other day, which was like, you know, how do you know, like and it, what you were suggesting earlier is like, it's really hard to know like what the, the value of those ad reads really is, I, I suppose, unless you have like the discount code. And then the discount code, like, oh, you get a discount code for Tanga if you, you know, it's a broadened at Tanga. No, they don't do that yet. But then, so um, I, when we when you talk about the value of it, it's hard for me to 
say like, would I, like if I was running a, a marketing thing, like would I pay that or something? But uh, do I think it's a good deal maybe based on the mark, like what are, is is normal in the market or what are some reference points in the market? Um, maybe that's a different question, right? Um, so let me think for the second. Uh, while you're thinking, I can give you a little bit more data I had. Uh, another way I thought to look at this was if you could find out how much um, like marketing companies or advertisers are actually spending on podcasts. And it was surprising to me, but you can actually get pretty good numbers for how much money is actually being spent. So in 2015, it was, it was $100 million. And in 2018, $500 million. So from 2015 to 2018, three years, it went from 100 to 500 million. Wow. And in 2019, 700 million. You know, so it almost grew like 50% from 2018 to 2019. And then 2020 uh, is forecast to almost going to be somewhere between 850 to a billion. Again, Corona might make it on the lower side, but people were forecasting it might go over a billion dollars this year. So it was going to go from 700 to a billion. So I, I, th- uh, there's one other stat I would like to know, but even just hearing those numbers, so, okay, that's huge. Those are big numbers, and you already said Joe Rogan is number one. So I think Spotify got a good deal. We don't know how many years it was, but I would say they got a good deal. The other thing to say is that podcast listening is going up a little bit less than the marketing spend. But you're looking at like, like yeah, 30%. Uh, yearly growth in in marketing spend on podcasts, and you're looking at like twenty to twenty five percent growth of how many people are listening to podcasts at all uh, year over year for the past like two or three years. Wow! So both are growing a huge amount per year, over twenty percent. Do you happen to have the Spotify subscribers maybe to the whole Spotify platform, or the is there a separate? Oh yeah, this is another thing we were talking about, which is the podcast. Spotify podcast is combined with the Spotify audio like streaming platform. So right now, uh, it looks like there are 286 million monthly active users on Spotify. Uh, of those, I think they, yeah, of those, they say, what is there? 50. It looks like they're monetizing about 20% of those. So they have around 60, roughly 60, 70 million subscribers. What was the first number and was the first number active users? So it's free to use Spotify. So how many people are actually using Spotify every month? 286. But how many of those are premium paying members? It's around 20%. So say, say around 50 to 60 million paying, paying users. That's pretty good. So about 20, is that? Yeah, it's 20%. Roughly. The latest one, according to them, is 130 million are premium subscribers. That's huge. Yeah, I think it's a good deal for Spotify. I would be interested to to also know, like, just as a you know, I don't, we can't figure it out, but how many uh, subscribers does Spotify think they'll get just by bringing Joe Rogan over? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's no information on the deal. Even the hundred million dollars is, it, it, to me, it's a very suspicious number. But I, there's no details on anything. I, so my opinion, that number has to be lowballed. Part of that is is a gut feeling, having listened to a lot of, I'm not like an every episode listener, but having listened to a lot of Rogan episodes, he was like kind of, he, he talks about it a lot of like independent internet and he's always kind of fallen on that side. And like, he was proud that he, and, and a lot of people tweet around every year, like 
how well he does as just being a guy in in his room with a mic. And he's pretty proud of being like an independent uh, broadcaster or whatever you want to call it. So I don't know, even if you, I know you don't believe he's as principled as I might, but to me, I don't think it would, he would do it for only money. And if he was going to do it for only money, I think Spotify, they're off by like a factor of 10 on what they, what it's actually worth. To me, it's the only value Joe Rogan gets out of this is money, right? He's not getting, he's not going to get more listeners going to Spotify. He's only getting money. And he's, what is he giving up? He's giving up his feed. He's giving up his like direct connection to all of his listeners. So yeah, I I just, the he's not going to get more listeners part. I just want to break that down a, a little bit. So, so yeah, he's, He's going to lose, he might gain some listeners like on the Spotify platform who haven't heard of him maybe. But I think that's something you mentioned before was that in our previous talks was that, well, he's going to lose so much of his core fan base that doesn't want to go to Spotify. Yeah, he's, it's hard to say how many he'll, he'll lose. You know, a lot, it seems a lot of people already have Spotify on their phone, even if they don't use it like me. I've never like opened it in two years. Yeah, that's fair. So I might open it and listen to it. But I guarantee you on the bullet points that they're showing Rogan on their pitch to why he should go on Spotify, it wasn't he'll gain listeners, right? They weren't pitching him that. So they, the reason they're paying him money is so that they, they gain audience. So he's not going in with an expectation of increasing it. So what does he gain? It's, it's really only money. I mean, sure, if he gets shares, he, he sure, that's that's a thing. Or if they offer to, they're going to build him some studio, you know, that's something he doesn't have to worry about. I don't know. There might be some periphery things, but basically it's like it's all money, right? Yeah. He's not going to seem cooler now that he's on Spotify. You know, there's nothing that Spotify brings him other than whatever, how much money is in the bag. And if, if you look at this, the one thing I, I, I was, we were talking about CPMs, but the other thing is like YouTube, right? I don't actually listen to Joe Rogan's podcast very much. I usually have it on YouTube and he's taking all this off of YouTube and there's no ad reads on YouTube. So he's actually making, you know, YouTube revenue. And if you, if you go and you try to calculate that out, uh, that comes up to be, I mean, the, the CPMs for YouTube is, is a little bit less, but uh, let me see here. You can come up with, he might be making 20 to 30 million on YouTube. So you're already, so if you just take like the low ball on that, you're already looking at, he's probably around 50 million in 2018. Wait, but when you say, so just really quick about the CPMs for YouTube, but does he, are you, you're not talking about ad reads he does on his own show. You're talking about YouTube ads that are played on his uh, clips. So he could be making 20 to 30 million on like, YouTube. I don't think you make that. Yeah, again, I don't know what the CPM, the value, the price per CPM. Well, he's getting crazy amounts of views, man. He gets 170 million views per month. Okay, that's a lot more than I thought. (laughs) So he's giving up YouTube, right? And he's giving up his like subscriber feed. He's giving up his direct connection to his listeners and he's giving up YouTube. I mean, on the low ball, it, on 2018, he should be around 50 million. Like, sure, okay, maybe it's 40 million. But 40 million to 100 million, you know, they're not giving that much money, right? And the value that Spotify gets is, to me, way bigger, right? Like, this puts them as, like, a big podcast player. It, like, almost creates, uh, like, a new kind of podcast market right? An exclusive podcast thing of someone that you actually care about. There were exclusive podcasts to other players before, but it was like a new podcast that you'd never heard of, you know, taking the number one podcast and making it exclusive. This is creating a whole new thing. And I think, um, I like the deals when we were talking about this before that you 
I like the deals that you compared this to in the past, like the Howard Stern deal. Yeah, so that's one thing I was going to say about the 100 million. It almost feels like people are looking at that, like, because the instant comparison was, oh, when Stern went to Sirius Radio, they gave him a 500 million five-year contract. And coincidentally, that's $100 million. And I don't know, I think, I almost think it's like the 100 million can't be true on Rogan. It's such an under undervalued number that, and, and like, I can see if you were like a regular guy who didn't already have millions of dollars. You know, like maybe you would do it, but if you're already making around $50 million and someone offers you $100 million a year, I, I get that it's only, you're, you're only licensing it. So you're not like selling everything. It's still kind of yours and you can leave after, but I don't know the hundred million. I swear it almost comes from people comparing it to the Stern move. Yeah. It can't, it can't be true. I, I like Joe Ren always says he's not this, you know, he's not the smartest guy and everything, but he, I think he's smart enough to know that a hundred million dollars is not, is not a lot of money for this. Well, he he can also afford to pay people to tell him that that's not the best deal he could be getting. The one thing to one data point to show that like show that this was actually hugely undervalued is look at the Spotify stock price the day they announced that Joe Rogan is going exclusive to the platform. How much do you think their market cap went up? I have no idea. I mean, just just a guess. Uh, all right, I'll take a guess. Uh, I'm going to say it went up by. 500 million? 3 billion. Ooh. Their market cap jumped by 3 billion when they announced that, that Joe Rogan is going exclusive. So it seems people that calculate financials for a living think it was undervalued. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. Sure, some of that might be overreaction, but if it jumps instantly by $3 billion because you signed 100. Well, put, or put it another way, the value of the deal is on the order of billions to Spotify. Yeah, I think they're clear runaway winners on this deal. My only like counter to that is the $100 million is not a verified number. It's a made-up number that yep. is going around. So it could be a billion dollars, you know? I think that's where it would have to be. Uh, I, I, not not per year, but I think the whole deal needs to be worth, it has to be billions for that to even make sense. Yeah, and also for you as a fan of Joe Rogan to admit that he's a huge sellout. It would have to be on the order of a billion. This is what that's about, isn't it? No, no, I, I don't. Okay, so I think they had to have promised him other things than money. Like the one thing, I mean, they've already announced that they are taking the video from that was going to be on YouTube and, and putting it on Spotify. So they are already changing their app for him, and so they have to have they have to redesign the podcast part of that app. I mean, it's it's pretty atrocious, and podcast people listeners are are pretty like anal like. The, the market share things, there's like, I don't know, there's tens of podcast apps that people use and they all have their pet reason for why they like this one better than that one. And like, they're all going to hate Spotify for sure. It, it's pretty atrocious. And and the other thing is people saying, oh, it's it's free still, so you can still listen to it. Dude, I don't know if you've ever experienced what free Spotify is like. Oh, yeah. They're definitely taking the like 1990s like nag screen thing and applying it to audio. Fucking annoying. I have experienced that's that's why I decided to pay for it a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, they're not doing the like, you know, you should subscribe to us because you love us. They're doing like, we're going to like poke you in the eye every five minutes until you give us $10 a month. Like that's their strategy. So I cannot at any stretch imagine listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Like YouTube fucking pisses me off enough that I don't even want to watch YouTube. 
Yeah. Oh, recently it's gotten really much more aggressive. Aggressive and like, show me an ad that I'm actually halfway interested in. Anyway, but but I think like they have to have given Joe Rogan a lot of other promises, not money, about like how they're going to build the podcast platform and how this is going to be better for everyone. Because I really don't think like he wants to be known as the guy who like sold out podcasts like as a medium and fucked over all the, I don't think he wants to be known as that. And I don't think that's worth 50 extra million dollars a year to be known as that. Well, one is, I also, I think YouTube, like YouTube for some reason thinks I want to make beats for mumble rappers for a living. (laughs) Like, I don't know, like I'm not that in, I don't know why they think that's my obsession. Facebook is so much better at like giving ads that you might care about in your feed. It's not even funny. Yeah. Well, let's let's you know table some of those topics for next time. I, I think it's uh, something that's going to be really interesting to kind of monitor in the next year. Oh, for sure, and I'll, I'll give them a chance on on Spotify. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to watch how this works out. But I I think different things for podcasts to come, and yeah, I, I, it's just I'm so curious of what the actual sell on on that was. So yeah, we'll see. Okay, so next episode we'll talk about kind of then the negative effects of these platforms or aggregators, as you were saying, and uh, a lot of issues with that. And also, do we have an email now? Sure. Info at uh, abroadend.com. Okay. Tanga, (laughs) I know you're you're probably frothing now. So email us, info at (laughs) abroadend.com. And our CPM price is very reasonable. Very, very reasonable. See, that's what I mean. Like, if I've, I've seen what your Facebook feed looks like once, and, like, they know exactly what to advertise to you, unlike, unlike YouTube. Yeah. They're like, oh, you want to learn classical music. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we'll go into the censorship stuff and, and platforms in general and, and the power that you hand over and, and the repercussions of a lot of those small decisions that kind of tumble into giving them uh, everything. Cool. Talk to you later. All right, man. Next time.